Hey there, it's Dr. Nazanin Mo'oli, and I want to chat with you about a key ingredient for a fabulous date night, feeling sexy. And come on, let's be real. What you wear plays a big part in how you rock that confidence. That's why I'm thrilled to introduce you to Quince. Quince brings you premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts starting at just $30, along with washable silk tops, 40-carat gold jewelry, and more. And guess what? All of their goodies are priced 50 to 80% lower than similar brands. By teaming up directly with top factories, Quince skipped the middleman and hands us the saving. Plus, they stick to factories with safe, ethical practices and top-notch fabrics and finishes. How awesome is that? Picking from Quince's website was tough because they have a ton of fabulous choices. I ended up going for their 100% washable silk sleep dress in champagne. And let me tell you, my husband was floored. He's convinced whoever rocks this is in for a blast. I'm going to record some content on that dress so you can see how fabulous is that dress. Elevate your date night style with Quince. Pop over to quince.com slash sexology for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's quince.com slash sexology to get free shipping and 365-day returns. quince.com slash sexology. Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hi there. This is episode 20 of Sexology Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that I just got so many emails about it. We're going to talk about female ejaculation. I know it can be a controversial topic, but I think it's important to talk about it and kind of explore what the research and what science findings are around this topic. Uh, we're going to explore what is this female ejaculation and what do why some women ejaculate, others don't. And we're going to explore the psychological and physiological benefits of female ejaculation. I'm so excited to have Mrs. Deborah Sandel in this show. Deborah is the foremost pioneer and expert on female ejaculation and G-spot. She's the author of Female Ejaculation and the G-spot. 30 years of groundworking contribution to this field include a line of video titled The Female Ejaculation Sex Education Series, which Deborah produced and hosts. She lectures and gives workshops in North America and Europe and has taught thousands of men and women how to integrate the G-spot and female ejaculation into their erotic body and sexual life. She continues to be a spokesperson for female sexuality and an advocate for sex education. Here is the conversation with Deborah Sandel. Welcome back to another episode of Sexology Podcast. As I mentioned during the introduction, I'm honored to have Mrs. Deborah Sandel in our show. Deborah is a leading expert on female ejaculation and the G-spot, 
and a pioneering teacher in female sexuality since 1983. Deborah, welcome to our show. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thank you. I'm so excited to talk about female ejaculation today because, you know, before reading your book, which was so informative, I always thought it's a kind of a, I was a little bit dismissive. I was thinking it's not that common. I remember I read the Kinsey study and they were talking about there were only few women who experienced that. So it was interesting to read a different perspective in your book and learn more about it. So for our listeners, I wanted to start with talking about what is female ejaculation? Female ejaculation is actually prostatic fluid, meaning it comes from the female prostate. And what we don't know is that all women have a prostate, as do all men. And therefore, all women can ejaculate if they want to. That is fascinating. And I know that you kind of noted some scientific studies that kind of looked into uh, to those like the female ejaculation. Can you kind of elaborate on those? Yes, I can. In the back of my book, I have about three pages of scientific studies that were done between approximately 1980 and 1999. So this was on not only the female prostate, but also female ejaculation and how it works, why someone some women ejaculate and others don't. It was also on the chemical makeup of female ejaculation and also some historical studies uh, that show us that female ejaculation was known around the world in ancient times. That is fascinating. So it's not a new thing. I know many people just like recently kind of got more in tune with it with watching pornography and like heard about it and did like newer like female sexuality literature. But from what I'm hearing, it seems like this has been going on for years and years. Absolutely. Years and years in ancient times we're talking about. Is that what you meant? Yeah, yeah. It seems like, you know, it's not a kind of a new new experience or that's something like, you know, only few women are experiencing. It seems like that's been an ongoing experience for many women for centuries. Very true. The ancient Greeks knew about female ejaculation. They did not debate its existence as we do today. Rather, they debated its properties and its function. They believed that female ejaculate contained an essence and that when this essence was combined with the essence in male ejaculate was responsible for new life. Isn't that nice? Yeah, that is, I like the spiritual, and yeah, that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. And also the ancient India and, and Eastern China, Tantra, uh, was then two to thousand, two to three thousand year old philosophy, religion, and science. And they knew about female ejaculate and in fact had a Sanskrit name for it, meaning, which was Amrita which means nectar of the gods. And indeed, they believed that it was the sacred nectar. And it is depicted in some of their temples, the ruins of which you can still see today in India. That is so interesting. How did you gather all this great information about it? 
Partly much of this research was done by Dr. Carl Stifter, an Australian uh, man who wrote the first book on female ejaculate, which he entitled The Third Dimension of Lust. Interesting. And I know that most people think it is something that some only very few women are able to do that. But I know you have a different take on that. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, again, all women have a female prostate. It's fully functioning, just like men's is. In the Victorian times, uh, Dr. Alexander Skeen talked about the female prostate, but he, he, he actually said it's actually only two glands which sometimes become clogged. And so this is how we get the skein's glands uh, for, for um, the female prostate. Whereas in 1649, Dutch autonomous Rigner de Graaf, he knew about the female prostate and female ejaculation. And he um, knew that it was fully functioning. And in fact, about female ejaculation, this is what he said. In libidinous women flows out at the sight of a handsome man. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Very, because actually female ejaculation is that accessible. What women do is we literally mistake the urge for female ejaculation to be the urge to urinate. That is interesting. I hear that a lot. Yes. So women use their pelvic floor muscles to not let that out of the body. Because the last thing any woman's going to do is let is pee when she's having sex. Am I right? Absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. Exactly. So we do not let that happen. If you know what I mean? Because we think it's pee. And so where does all this fluid go that we're not letting out of our body because we're mistaking it for urine? It goes retrograde. In other words, it goes back up the urethral canal to the bladder and then we pee it out. Oh, wow. So that is something, as you said, it's very accessible for most women, but they're trying to control it because exactly. sometimes they're yeah confused about whether it's urine and they don't know about ejaculation. So, yeah. Exactly. And it was Dr. Carl Santamarie Cabela from Spain who did that study, which shows that using PSA, prostate-specific antigen, he did the study measuring PSA. The reason he could do that is because they know that this antigen is only found in prostatic tissue. Well, women had plenty of PSA. This is another reason we know that women have a fully functioning prostate. So what happened is in Victorian times, I want to elaborate on this just a bit more. In Victorian times, Dr. Alexander Skeen, it just, the prostate kind of got whittled down to these two glands that sometimes become clogged. Well, in the 1930s, Dr. Grafenberg was a urologist who also knew about the female prostate and female ejaculation. And his work, he was kind of ostracized from his profession for even talking about this. So therefore, in the 1980s, when scientists and sexologists Whipple and Perry did the famous book, The G-Spot, 
the book that is responsible for putting the word G-spot into our vernacular, into our language. They couldn't talk about the female prostate for fear that they would be ostracized as well. But, however, Dr. Milan Zavicek uh, studied the female prostate down to its cellular level for 20 years. He is the man responsible for bringing back Dr. Grafenberg's work, you know, from to completing the circle with the six, the Dutch autonomous in 1649, you know, now we know it is indeed a fully functioning prostate that's overflowing with female ejaculate. And that is what I spend my life doing is going around promoting with my PowerPoint and with workshops this good news about the female prostate. As a feminist, I'm used to hearing about lies, secrets, and silences about diminished body parts and and lives that are don't not quite functioning as women this is a typical case so in my mind this is your the typical feminist uh problem of women wandering around not knowing that they have a fully functioning anatomical part in their body and this is what they do and this is what it does for them I love that. I, I know in the book, your book, I was reading about the workshop. I know you have some description of it and the book. And I was like, oh, this is so interesting. And it can be very empowering for people to see, okay, if that's something I can do, kind of learn how to do it. So I think it's fantastic that you kind of provide educational material on those things. Absolutely. That's what I do as a sex educator. That is fantastic. So I'm just kind of curious that, so it seems like that's the ability that our body, that's a function that our body is fully capable of doing. Based on, again, since that's an area that you're very uh, kind of knowledgeable about, is what are some of the psychological and potential psychological or physiological benefits associated with a female ejaculation? Well, two come to mind from Dr. Milan Zavicek's cellular study of the female prostate he discovered, number one, that prostatic fluid, as we know, is alkaline-based, and it nourishes the sperm on their way to the egg. So the same is true with female ejaculate, with female prostatic fluid. It nourishes the sperm on their way to the egg. So this goes against myths not very attractive ones that I won't want to repeat here, but we've heard as women forever, you know, how our vaginas are this hostile environment for the poor little sperm that's beating their way to the egg, you know, and only one will survive, you know. Right. Well, it's a wonderful hero's journey for men, but the reality <laughs> is the vagina is not hostile. And of course it isn't. Women are not hostile to their offspring the female body and the nature of femininity is one of nurturing and loving and supporting. And so, of course, it makes perfect sense that her prostatic fluid is also nurturing and supporting the sperm on its way to create and fertilize to on its way to fertilize the egg and create a human being. That is so lovely. And I love how you kind of connect it to a feminist perspective. I never thought about it in that way. Yes. And another thing that Dr. Zavicek discovered what had to do with birth. So imagine this 
female prostate, which hangs down through the roof of the vagina. We'll get to that later. But imagine it for now that this prostate is there and it's full of prostatic fluid because if you stimulate it, it swells with fluid. That's what prostates do. Endocrine, exocrine. Male and female prostates. Number one, they create hormones, endocrine. Number two, exocrine, they, it's a secretion gland. It creates fluid and it secretes it. So imagine this prostate that's just inside the vagina and the baby's head is coming down the vagina, right? So that baby's head is squishing that prostate as flat as a pancake, and nurses have told me that they see this little tag on the baby's head when it's born, you know. But number two, they've also seen this fluid that is not the umbilical, not the um, uh, fluid um, when the water bursts. It's a different kind of fluid. So it's the prostatic fluid is being pushed out from the back. The baby's head just pushes out this prostatic fluid. So we are all born in this wonderful ejaculate fluid, which Tantra and other spiritual cultures see as truly divine. That is so interesting. So it is part of like a birth process as well. Yes, yes, and a beautiful one at that. And you mentioned Tantra a few times, and I know some of our listeners might not be familiar with that. Can you say a little bit more about that? Um, Tantra, again, is, is a religion and science two to 3,000 years old from India, primarily a little bit on Eastern, Eastern China, and they believe that sex is sacred. And so they literally built temples to worship in the ruins of which you can see today. They would carve statues of individuals, couples and groups in every imaginable sexual position and behavior. And because they were yoga masters and meditation masters, they could hold amazing positions for a very long time. And so this is your Tantra temple. And again, they had a Sanskrit name for female ejaculation called Amrita, Nectar of the Gods. I love that. How, what a beautiful and different kind of portraying that. Yes, we don't have that in Western culture. We do not have beauty associated with the erotic body or especially the female erotic body. It's not part of our spirituality. In fact, Christianity in all the three forms of Christianity, Christianity, Hinduism, Hebrewism, and Muslim have all really denigrated and come down hard on the female erotic body, especially Christianity. They had 400 years of an inquisition that was absolutely brutal and wiped out uh, any kind of beautiful images about um, sexuality. So we as women are still struggling to re rebuild after this kind of decimation that happened. 
Yes, and I like like for like leaders and educators like yours, kind of with educating other people and women to kind of honor their body and erotic life can be very empowering. It is so empo- empowering, and the very one of the first things that we always do in my workshops is, you know, locate the G spot. I mean, you can see it. Number one, it surrounds the urethral canal. And it starts at the outside opening of the body. So women, we can go into more detail later, but basically women see their G-spots and they look at their vulvas and we do it in a group circle. So women have privacy within the group, but they're supported by other women. And it's everybody gets so happy after this because, yes, we're ripping away this terrible silence and this difficult connotations that we have and views we have about our beautiful, beautiful vulva. And I'm all about the vulva. Viva la vulva. I mean, love your vulva. (laughs) I love that. I haven't heard that before, but it's wonderful. (laughs) I might steal that. I just love this. I don't know. (laughs) Sounded so uh, happy and cheerful. I'll I'll use it in my session from now on. Do yes, we need happiness, cheerfulness, and beauty around our beautiful vulvas, and we need to treat them with the same way we we treat the rest of our skin with beautiful oils and time and love and care. Absolutely, and if we have people have when they have the sex negative perspective and attitude, it causes like it might lead to neglect and not taking care of their body and kind of separating their genitals from the rest of the body. So I like that if it, if they have this positive, they can switch it to this positive perspective that can change how they treat their genitals and vulva and everything. Absolutely, it's it's uh, it's healing. And we are healing as a society and as a and from religion. You know, we have not been nice to our erotic body and, and especially spirituality. It's like, oh, cut off the sexuality, cut off the body. It's like Tantra, no, Tantra was huge in India. And they are about no, you em- you embrace your body, you build your spirituality through your body. We are part spiritual here on this plane, and we're also human. We're material, and the two have to work in tandem. So we're bringing, Tantra is having a big influence in that way, and we're learning to look at our bodies, especially our erotic bodies, and see their value. Absolutely. And I know one question that I always get from my listeners, from my clients and friends, they want to ejaculate, they don't know how to and I know you have books and lectures and everything. But what would be the first step for them? The first step is really to locate your G spot in your body and to know and be sure where it's located. And you do that by simply spending some meditative time with your vulva and with your vagina. And locating that ridges, that ridged area that's right there, in this, right there, just inside the vagina, not way deep in. The beginning of it starts at the urethral opening. There's a meaty area that surrounds the urethral opening. And then you run your finger from the urethral opening. You enter the vaginal canal. Just there, you'll start to feel the ridges. 
and get to know that. That's the body of your G-spot. And as you move about two inches along those ridges, your finger will curl. And that's the back end of this organ, this prostate that hangs down through the roof of the vagina. So we get to know this whole organ. It's numbed out in many women due to the way we make love, which is to ram the vagina, you know, because we haven't known that there's a prostate there. And as men know, the prostate is ultra sensitive. You don't want to be ramming on it. So, whoa, suddenly we're rethinking the whole way we approach the vagina, the whole way we have sex. You know, it's it's to slowly and realize there's a beautiful um, ultra-sensitive prostate there that we want to awaken gradually and slowly. And that prostate has a different nerve and therefore a different orgasmic sensation than the clitoris, penis. Okay, men have a prostate too. They can have the same full body G-spot orgasm that starts in your toes and spreads up your legs, makes your legs shake. It goes up your body and out your head. I mean, it's powerful. So to have that orgasm, you ladies, you have to get off your back, stand up so your hips are free and you have to breathe because think of it. And this applies to ejaculate. You think in terms of building. You're building this huge orgasm in your body or you're building this ejaculate in your prostate now the two it's two separate functions orgasm and ejaculate one is fluid one is an orgasm and it's the same for men they don't know that but in the eastern spiritual cultures they do orgasm for men as with women is separate function from release of fluid ejaculate. That is so interesting. And it made me think about I know majority of women I work with and also friends and everyone they talk about how they experience they get orgasm from their clitoris. So is it possible that they get the they can ejaculate when they're getting orgasm from clitoris or it's something that only happens if the G spots get stimulated? Technically, just speaking technically, because nothing is black and white with sexuality, but technically you're going to ejaculate much easier if you're stimulating that prostate and you're only stimulating the clitoris very gently for a little added pleasure. If you're really working really hard on the clitoris to have a clitoral orgasm, it's going to be harder to have a G-spot orgasm and to ejaculate. So what we do is we just focus on the G-spot, focus on that feeling of ejaculate building, knowing that, no, that's not urine. Wow, that's ejaculate happening. Whoa. If you have that feeling, you're building ejaculate and you can easily ejaculate if you just let go and you only use the clitoris for a little bit of added pleasure. That is so interesting. That's not how I like often heard it because many people just only focus on clitoris and they get the orgasm, but they kind of, as you said, not necessarily are aware of the other way of reaching orgasm, which sounds like very, uh, very different. And like, it's more, it can be more intense and connecting. So I love to hear about that. 
Yes, and I want to add that we have sexologists and scientists Whipple and Perry to thank for this two-nerve theory of orgasm. They're the ones who wrote the book, The G-Spot, in 1992, that we have the pedendal nerve on the clitoris and penis and the powerful pelvic nerve, the vagus nerve, for the prostates, which creates a very full-bodied huge orgasm it is described in in volcanic terms and it's deeply emotional by nature therefore the biggest obstacle to having that g-spot orgasm is letting go for women letting the ejaculate out of the body knowing believing it's not urine also being okay with letting out some deep emotions that are there So if women are having problems with that, those are the first two places to look is being okay with bodily fluids, being okay with letting go of that physically and letting go with the emotions. That is so interesting. And as you know, many women, they've been socialized to kind of being kind of mindful of not let go even sexually or not be in tune in like a deeper way and not incorporate sexuality as a big part of spirituality. So it's great to hear about that. Yes, yes. It's, well, Hildegard of Bingen, do you know who she is? No, I haven't heard about her. She's very famous in Germany and and kind of famous here in America. She's um, an abbess, a nun from the year 1080. And she has been considered like a Renaissance woman of her time. She wrote Gregorian chant from a woman's point of view. She wrote political essays during the time of the Inquisition. She's very, very well known in Germany today for her herbs and for her drawings, her illustrations. And she would just open the channel and out it would come. Well, one day what came out was the universe was that, I mean, what day, one day what came out was the vulva. And you can find this on the web. It's called Das Weltall, W-E-L-A-L-L, which in German means the universe. The point is there is a universe in our vulvas. And it's not just some simple little thing that, you know, we can jack off. It is ever deeper and deeper emotional and psychological wonders, ever deeper and deeper physical pleasures. You know, it's it's lovely. And we've been really cut off from something that's very huge and very much a, an integral and centerpiece of our life. Absolutely. Again, I, you are a wealth of great information. <laughs> and I was so excited to hear about all this thing. I never heard about her. I definitely want to check her out and the information about her arts and everything. Yes, Hildegard of Bingen. And Bingen was a little and still is a tiny village on the Rhine River in Germany. So Hildegard of Bingen. Beautiful. So, and again, I, I looked into your website, Deborah. It seems like you have lots of workshops, lots of great resources. And I bet many of our listeners want to more about uh, your classes and also they want to get in contact with you. What would be the best way? Um, my website, 
DebraSundahl.com. So Deborah is D-E-B-O-R-A-H and Sundahl is S-U-N-D-A-H-L. I have webinars that women can take, webinars for women that's two hours for five weeks in a row. It's like taking a weekend workshop, only it's just two hours and you get a whole week in, in between to, you know, work on a little bit of the information. And then I have a lot of workshops that go on in Europe every year. And I'm there September, October, and November. And you can see on my workshop and webinar and lecture schedule on my work on my website. I'm glad you mentioned that we have good, wonderful listeners in Europe. So I bet they can like get more information from your website to kind of see if that would match their schedule. So I think that is fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. Again, it was a wonderful conversation. And thank you for everything you're doing to depict women's female sexuality in a positive light. My pleasure. And again, thank you very much for having me on your show. Thank you for your time. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. I hope this conversation answers some of the questions you guys had about female ejaculation. I wanted to also mention that it's not like all women need to ejaculate or it's the only way for them to experience sexual pleasure, but it's important to kind of know that if you're experiencing female ejaculation, it's normal, it's wonderful, it's not urine, and also if you that's something you want to do, it's absolutely a tick that you can develop, or as Deborah was talking about, it's related to how you can let go during sexual experience. At the end, since it's our 20th episode celebration, I wanted to ask you guys, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, please share it with your friends and social media, send it via email, because one of my biggest mission with this podcast is increase people's awareness about their bodies and also reduce the stigma associated with sex. And I really need your help with that. All right, I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.